Hello, friend. Welcome to The Long Leash. I'm James Jacobson. Today, we are talking about poop. Well, not so much dog poop, but how we pick it up. Because as we all know, our dogs like to go out a lot. And when they go out, if we're good citizens, we are picking up after them. Oftentimes with one of those little plastic bags that are dangling from the leash of just lots of dogs around the world. The problem is all those poop bags add up to a big environmental problem. In fact, did you know that there are 200 billion pounds of poop shed by our dogs every year, and a lot of it ends in those little plastic bags. What to do about the problem? Well, that is what our guest today, Tracy Rosensteel, who is a entrepreneur and the creator of a company called Pooch Paper, has figured out. She has an innovative solution, as you will hear. She is a passionate entrepreneur and a passionate dog lover, and those are two good combinations in my book. Here's my conversation with Tracy Rosenstiel. Tracy Rosenstiel, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So when I say 200 billion pounds of dog poop every year, what do you think? I think it's a huge opportunity is what I think. <laughs> there is the entrepreneur and, and why you have so richly uh, got the moniker from Shark Tank of Wall Street, Tracy. That's awesome. So Thank that's, you. yeah. So basically you have built a company around the fact that our best friends are depositing poop every day. And for a lot of people uh, that is being picked up and scooped up by those little plastic bags that we see everywhere. What's the problem with that? So the problem is, um, apparently worldwide, we have about 1 trillion uh, single-use plastic bags used every single year. 380 mm -hmm. billion of those are uh, from the United States. And of those, about 500 million are single-use uh, plastic dog waste bags. So as with anybody trying to make some kind of a difference in this world, you can't change and fix everything. But if you were to just change one piece of a problem and each person would maybe try to change a little bit of a problem, you'd reach some kind of a threshold where problems are solved, right? So the problem Absolutely. with the um, single-use plastics for dog waste uh, is kind of twofold. So number one, any kind of plastic that's non-biodegradable is obviously not good for the environment. Um, and, uh, you know, can, can pose all kinds of issues, but the bigger issue we're kind of tackling is the microplastic pollution, which is caused by frankly, biodegradable bags and quote unquote, eco-friendly bags. So what happens is for those types of bags to reach the, in this country, ASTM D6400 certification, they have to inject what's called EPI into the manufacturing of the bags in order to hasten the breakdown of the plastic. But instead of the plastic disappearing and biodegrading, uh, instead it breaks into hundreds of millions of microplastic particles that enter the air we breathe, the water we drink, and ultimately the food we consume. So in 2020, even Consumer Reports came out with a uh, cover story 
that was titled Eat Less Plastic. They're one of many who have conducted similar reports and their findings showed or indicated that humans ingest a credit card size amount of plastic. Guess how often? Uh, annually? Every what? week. <laughs> what? Yes. So microplastics is uh, a new thing because we don't have a lot to be afraid of these days. Right. Because everything is just like clear sailing. There are no risks out there in the world. <laughs> but a new one that um, you're making me aware of is microplastics. We yeah. eat a credit card size piece of plastic, that much plastic every week. Every week. Yeah. And that's due in large part to biodegradable or eco-friendly plastics. And that includes, of course, uh, plant-based plastics and other um, non-fossil fuel type recycled plastics because it's still the plastic. The injection still takes place to meet the requirements of the standardized um you know, threshold to be able to market your product as an eco-friendly product. So unfortunately, what happened is in order to, you know, meet the breakdown requirements, something had to be done for plastic since it's an inorganic product to break down. But again, it doesn't get broken down by enzymes in the earth and naturally return to its, you know, original state because plastic, as we all know, is not an organic product <laughs> compound. So... All those biodegradable poop bags that I have purchased over the years <laughs> are contributing to microplastic problems that result in me eating a credit card. <laughs> Unfortunately, per, I have to say, uh, yes, it is. Okay. This seems like a big problem. What are the, what are the health risks of eating micro, of consuming microplastics that are inorganic? No, good question. Uh, they carry in large part heavy metals, carcinogenics, um, or they are carcinogenic rather, I should say. Um, in addition to that, um, they're found everywhere already. They've been found in placenta. They permeate cell membranes. I mean, they're really, um, contributing to a lot of the larger longer-term life uh, health concerns that people are seeing across the globe. Okay. <laughs> and let me add. I am appropriately concerned about <laughs> microplastics, and you have at least a small part of the solution in terms of pooch paper, a totally different take on poop bags. Yes. Yep. And so um, I'm just going to add real quick one other, um, I guess, side effect, you would call it, of putting animal waste in any plastic and then having it be discarded in a landfill type environment is um, mm. methane gas is created. And methane gas has been shown to, again, depending on the study you look at, but up to 87% times more toxic to the environment than carbon dioxide within its first two years of release. So that's a whole nother one as it relates to uh, global <laughs> warming. <laughs> so we're, pooch paper is seeking to mitigate those two issues. Okay. And so for those folks who have not had the good fortune of using pooch paper, how do you describe it? Okay. So um, first of all, we source everything in the USA. So made in the USA. Uh, pooch paper, um, the paper is made from recycled non-chlorine bleach paper fiber. It's manufactured using renewable energy at our carbon neutral facility. It's 100% actually biodegradable, 100% compostable. And uh, the grease resistant coating that is found on both sides of the sheet, so the 
waste remains inside the paper and not in your hand, uh, is made during the pulp drying process in what's called a Yankee dryer. So it's made naturally and organically, which means instead of being applied after the fact, it's actually PFAS free. And the PFAS uh, movement is slowly just like the single use uh, plastic legislation that we see sweeping the globe, frankly, um, is starting to come up as another hot topic. Apparently, PFAS chemicals um, are a byproduct of much manufacturing. And once they saturate soil, they don't go away. So we're the only product uh, on the market in this category that can claim PFAS free. Okay. So again, let's describe what a pooch paper is. When you're holding it in your hand, uh-huh. it is distinguished from, I don't know, a sheet of newspaper, a newsprint in, in what ways? It has the plastic coating. Uh, no plastic. Or the, 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 <laughs> what's the coating? Um, the PFAS free um, coating. PFAS. Yep. So it is coated on both sides of the paper. So if you pick up after your animal. What is it coated with? I understand it's PFAS free, but what is the actual, what so is it? So it, it is created in a Yankee dryer when the pulp is drying and adhering to itself. So it's not added. It's not a chemical additive after the fact. It's naturally or organically created while the paper is drying and, I guess, solidifying unto itself as far as the pulp itself. Anything further, I'm going to have to get an engineer on the phone. <laughs> okay, we, 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 we need a chemist on this. Okay, so basically it is something that is impregnated into the Correct. paper pulp when the, when the sheets are made that creates this thing that prevents the poop from going... On your hand. Getting into your hand. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And they're made here in the United States. Made in the USA. Yep. All of our components are from the dispensers that go into parks, departments, and walking trails in cities to the boxes that we have two sizes for retail, uh, including the paper and including the pouches to carry them on your leash. So everything's made in the USA. Okay. So that's sort of the background. Let's get to the genesis of this because you're not just an entrepreneur. You are a big dog lover. Yes, I am. So um, I have, well, a 10-year-old French bulldog who sadly I had to put down about a month and a half ago. I can only speak about it without crying right now because um, I found a new Frenchie. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, magic in the universe happened and he just came back with an upgrade. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome yeah. and 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 the this frenchie's name had had its own book series yes that's recall. correct was- yeah well his his name in real life is indiana jones and for obvious reasons i couldn't use that in my book publication <laughs> really did you run into some yeah. issues there yeah. <laughs> ones i couldn't afford <laughs> okay so his uh nom de plume is uh, little boo so the book Little series, boot. yep, we have a few. Uh, one, the one that was selling in New York at Tavern on the Green is about Tavern on the Green. And um, they the book series would be described as uh, kind of a Shell Silverstein meets Dr. Seuss because they're rhymey. <laughs> and it's about um, a man about town, French bulldog in Manhattan and all his little uh, adventures therein. So they're cute. They're meant to be bedtime stories to a young audience. That is awesome, and I, I love the fact that it is centered at, uh, at such a landmark restaurant as Tavern. One of my Green. favorite places. I have some fond memories yeah. of that. So New York is so much a part of who you are, and and built into your DNA. We were talking that that portrait behind you um, 
this is kind of a little bit of New York, even though you're not living yes. in New York. For those, because we were talking before we started, what, what, tell us about the portrait now that I've mentioned okay, it. Okay, so it's uh, the original hanging in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York is um, a John Singer Sargent of Madam X, and it's my favorite. In all of the world, it's my favorite portrait. Um, and I believe at the Paris Salon, the original, uh, there's some speculation about who is Madam X, um, so there's some mystery around that, and she has a particular you know, look about her. But the original, uh, on her dress, her strap was down, and that was very risque, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> and they made him paint that out and put it back up before they hung it in the salon, <laughs> which I thought was funny. But it has a, a very interesting history to it, so it's one of my favorites. So you had someone commission a copy so that you could have it in my home because you couldn't get the original to put in your yes. new home in in uh, Annapolis. You're in Annapolis, Correct. Maryland. Yeah, but. New York is, you know, whether it whether it's Tavern or in the Green or or the or the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art plays an important background for who you are and 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 your relationship to dogs and basically how pooch paper started. Definitely. Yep, I was there 16 years and when I um came up with the idea for pooch paper, um I well at the time had what, about a seven-year-old French bulldog. So the original Indiana Jones, I've named him Indiana Jones. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just moving on, <laughs> moving forward. But anyway, um, so yeah, he was um, probably about six or seven. And I really started kicking the idea around thinking, you know, at every single street corner, there is a garbage bin. And at the end of the day, it's filled with single-use plastic bags and a course they stink because there's methane gas inside of them and all the rest of it anyway well that's not that's not the only reason well, i'm sure there's all kinds of things i thankfully never had to yeah. go through one so i'm not sure <laughs> i'm blessed in that way but anyway um so uh yeah i was thinking all right i wonder if there's some kind of a market here because the legislation was looking to be passed in new york city and at the moment currently there are 10 states who have enacted legislation around single-use plastics um and then about 341 or two or something uh cities uh outside of those states and what is the legislation calling uh, for? so it varies it's a single-use plastic ban it overall or overarching yeah. Uh, it varies on where you live uh, in the country, but the base common denominator um, through all of the different legislation is that that particular city or state is no longer allowed to hand out for free uh, single-use plastic bags. So whether you tax them or you charge the consumer or you know something of that nature. And what's nice about pooch paper now that we work with municipalities and multi-tenant residential buildings and so on, and, you know, cities and parks and rec, um, we work very well to have them be compliant with their own legislation. Because if you're handing out a plastic poo bag for free in a park, albeit maybe not in writing by law, it's certainly nice for the person asking you not to do it, to not do it also. <laughs> that is fascinating. So single-use plastics is not a ban that is only related to, to poop bags. It's it's like here in Maui County where where I live, we have had that for over a year or two now. Where all those plastic bags at the shop mm -hmm. are gone, and you have to use a paper bag or bring your they, you have to bring your own sack. Correct. It didn't always work so well, so then we moved to paper. Yep. Um, and so your one of your ability 
in terms of market growth is to go to these communities definitely that have enacted this and there are 10 across the there country. There are 10 right states now. who have enacted that legislation statewide and Hawaii, funny you mention it, is one mm-hmm. of those states. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that's awesome. Well, we're we're, we're we try to take care of the environment. I have a call with a few of your senators uh, in about a week's time. So, we'll see how we do. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I would I would love to have those poop bags available. And speaking of the availability, you have uh, uh modeled your business in such a way that this isn't something that you can just individuals can buy, but communities can buy and these can be in multi-unit dwelling environments. Yes, correct. Okay, so like eventually your vision, I guess, is to go to a dog park and be able to have uh, pooch papers. Yep, correct. Yeah, so we have um, we have municipalities who have converted from plastic to pooch paper, and those communities span about uh, nine states right now and growing every day. And we've been leveraging uh, some organizations around the country, like the National Recreation and Park Association. We were just asked to please participate on the. Um, uh, business council that they're kicking off in February for the first time, which is great because what they're looking to do is to align government and private sector uh, in a first ever uh, coordinated effort to put forth best practices. Uh, apparently, um, Parks and Rec comprise 3% of the total GDP for the U.S. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I, I found that fascinating, too. <laughs> I never thought about that it that is. way. Yeah, I, I, that's a lot. Yeah. You, you have lots of interesting information. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I, let's, I want to take a break right now, but when we come back, I want to talk with you about how you funded this because you uh, have an, there's an interesting story there. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Oh, every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. Oh, I want to run. I want to sniff. Ooh, I want to find a good stick to carry. Oh, I want to roll in the grass. Oh, and warm my belly in the sun. Oh, I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pop. The green, glassy beef liver smell wakes my senses. Oh, you may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. It infuses any food you give me with healthy life vibrancy. Oh, I can feel it. Ever pop traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the Everpop you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpop, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpop is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
We're back with Tracy Rosenstiel. Tracy, when you had this idea for Pooch Paper, you were in New York, you knew you wanted to build a company, and how did you fund it? Uh, So I've spent about 22 years on Wall Street in various roles. So the first two roles, I lived in Chicago at the time. Back in open outcry Wall Street days, um, I worked to support mission-critical trading floor technology with the Chicago Board of Trade, the uh, board options, and the Merck. Mm -hmm. And I did that with uh, two different global vendors, the two primarily in that space at that time. And then I decided I wanted to start my own business. I kind of learned the ins and the outs of both of those two global entities and how they did things and how I might be able to do them better. So I created a consultancy and I basically took the 10 collective years uh, and ran for another 10 years uh, and sold my process by which I uh, supported and installed and um, programmed and trained on trading floor technology back to my two former employers. <laughs> so, so you decided to do an IPO to build uh, pooch paper. <laughs> it wasn't an IPO, but um, no, but I was fortunate. And that's actually what brought me to New York in 2007 um, was starting that firm and then growing it. And I had the opportunity mm. to grow. They had a few changes with my clients um, in New York. And uh, I ended up growing a small opportunity to a multi-million dollar opportunity and uh, had about 15 people on my team at our busiest um, uh-huh. and then sold the balance of my contracts back in 2016. So I've always funded all my side projects. We don't have nearly enough time to talk about all of them. <laughs> None of them are making me any money at the moment. But anyway, I took pooch paper and I self-funded. That's awesome. I, I like to, I like, you're an entrepreneur at heart and I really appreciate that who are, who's helping dogs. So where we're going with all of this, of course, is you made it onto Shark Tank. And, and, and there's an interesting story there because I think they asked you to come on and then you said no. <laughs> and then, and then they asked you a second time. Yeah. I actually, um, I think what I'm trying to think of how the progression went. I put my hat in the ring originally. Um, and I was lying in bed. I typically watch Shark Tank at night when I'm going to bed. And this is in my New York studio, small apartment. So my TV's right there. And I was, I thought, I wonder what the process is to get on because I was kicking the concept around with pooch paper. Mm-hmm. When I had uh, gone on Shark Tank, it was the very, you know, beginning days, frankly, of pooch paper. And possibly had I held it back for one year, it might have been, um, you know, more productive, but you never know. Um, Anyway, so I was lying in bed thumbing with my thumbs um, an online form to fill out and submit my idea to Pooch Paper. And the whole time, the tiny little forms that are not yeah, very mobile friendly. Yeah, I thought, yeah. you know, there's no one's going to read this. Like, there's just no way. Um, anyway, about two weeks later, my phone rang and it was um, the casting team from, yeah, Shark Tank. So uh, originally, I was asked to please continue, but um, this was, I believe, in 2018, um, and I was probably a week or two out from officially getting all my paperwork in for uh, patent coverage, mm-hmm. and I looked at the mountain of paperwork they required, and I wasn't comfortable at that time sharing a lot of the you know, um, company 
specific information. So in the because you wanted to protect the IP yeah. you would, as you formalized the patent. Yeah, exactly. So then that happened, and then months passed. As I recall, that was September of 2018. Um, and then in 20, gosh, I guess it wasn't until 2020, at the beginning of the year, that I reached back out. And I think what I did was find a good number of emails and just went a different route and proposed, you know, my throwing my hat in the ring. And then one of um, the folks from the show passed my email on to the producer and I in turn heard from him and he said, I understand you already tried this once. <laughs> Would you like to, you know, officially participate? And so uh, that kicked off what, what, what ended up being about a four or five month process prior to filming. So walk us through the pro what, what's that like? You, you, I imagine they, they shoot in Los Angeles. They typically do, but I filmed during COVID. Um, yeah, I was part of the COVID <laughs> season. So you were able to zoom in your pitch? No, no. What happened was, um, in order to create, in essence, a COVID bubble and keep, you know, a very clean environment, which included rebuilding the soundstage, they chose to film it at, at the Venetian in, uh, Las Vegas. So it was well, really that's where you want to go to avoid COVID. <laughs> it's a casino. <laughs> I know. Well, they had, um, you know, the um, conference space, and that was Got on it. lockdown. As were all of the rooms, and um, mm. and they were pretty strict protocols in place back then. Because you can imagine, one person gets sick, they're obviously putting millions into the production of this season. Right. And, they can't afford to right. not stay on track. So, um, yeah, the process after that, they always warn you there is definitely um, a potential to not get aired. Um, I think each year the, stati the statistic is 40,000 people apply each year, 40,000. And about 160 actually go film and somewhere around 125 actually air. And I could be wrong oh, wow. by a couple of digits on those, but I think that's yeah. in, you know, in large part the, um, you know, the ballpark numbers. But anyway, so they always. So you made, you made an impression. Your, your, oh. your segment was good enough to air. I, yes, I guess so. <laughs> Which is good. But yeah, we got, we arrived and, um, you know, there's a COVID test before the airplane, a COVID test, um, when you get off the airplane. And then it was 11 days of lockdown. Um, which were, uh, is pretty tough to stay in a hotel room and not go in the hallway. Uh, you really were on lockdown for 11 days. I think I had one nice, five hour nice dance party. After, nice sweets, but after a few days, probably yeah. not all that exciting. Yeah, exactly. I think I'll never stay the Venetian again. <laughs> Sorry, Venetian. <laughs> Prison. <laughs> yeah, beautiful rooms, but not for 11 days. Okay, so so after the lockdown and you and you come in for the day of taping, what what is that like? How does that go? Um, so it's again in normal times, it's probably not quite like this, but I was um, picked up in my room at about seven in the morning, which meant I got up at four. I made sure to you know get showered and ready and not be rushed. I called my girlfriend, so I was on. You know, <laughs> I had probably a pot of coffee and a. <laughs> uh, blender of smoothie. And, um, anyway, so 7am I saw the feet under the door. I thought, ah, we're ready to go. So I took my headphones off of pumped up music, you know, <laughs> and, uh, went down to the ballroom and we were kind of quarantining in areas in the ballroom. And 
they, at that time, they filmed eight episodes, like eight segments per day. So the four in the morning, they break for lunch and four in the afternoon. I was number four in the morning, which is perfect. I thought that's a pretty good lineup. People probably want to get lunch, you know, <laughs> so mm. hopefully it'd be easy enough. But anyway, um, and you walk in and they show you where to stand on the floor and, you know, have five minutes of checking the backdrop, you know, to make sure your art is where you need it to be and your product is positioned and all that type of thing. And then, yeah. And then it, when it's your turn, you walk up to the doors and you can see through and see how the cameras are getting ready. And there's the gentleman with the mic and he's all right. Now, when, when you hear the buzzer and the clear, you, I'm counting back from seven. I thought, oh my God, like, you know, when you're on a roller coaster and you get to the top and you're like, you know what? On second thoughts, <laughs> I don't think I want to go down. <laughs> <laughs> but you already built it in. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I really want to do this. Right now I can see my heart beating out of my chest. Anyway, and I was mic'd up, obviously. I'm like, can you hear my heartbeat through this bike? I think you can. Anyway, um, but yeah, then you walk through and then they make you stand on the tape uh, and then don't start. So they have, I don't know how many cameras do close-ups and all that kind of thing. And until the producer says, and go, then you start going. But in the meantime, you have all the sharks staring you down. <laughs> Kind of intimidating. Oh, how long does that do all those close-ups last while they're staring you? Probably down? a minute to a minute and a half, but it feels a lot longer okay. than that. Little extra intimidation yeah. factor. But it was nice, Lori. Uh, I was wearing a pair of shoes that uh, she really liked, so I'm, I'm standing there thinking, "Oh my god, I'm going to pass out because I'm so nervous." And then Lori says, "I know we're supposed to be quiet, but where did you get your shoes?" <laughs> And thank God, because it got me laughing. It got me over my, you know, nervousness. And before I knew it, you know, we talked a little bit about the shoes. And then uh, the producer said, and go. So I was <laughs> warmed up and laughing. And yeah, it was, thank God for, for Lori doing that. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So so how does your pitch go? What, what, what do you, how do you start your pitch? I'm sure you remember it. Oh, gosh. You know what? I don't know if I do. Um I, I, uh, hello, sharks. My name is Tracy Rosenseal, founder of Pooch Paper. Uh, I'm what I'm seeking, right? Um, yeah. And then um, what's the common denominator with all the poop bags is plastic, whether you're upload, uh, you know, uh, upcycling or recycling or whatever. Um, and then, you know, how about the alternative paper? And then I did my little demonstration of how to use a pooch paper. And then, um, it's a, because it's not a bag, it's a sheet. Um, it's a take, twist, and toss. And when you twist, it stays shut. And it's the um, grease-resistant coating that's on both sides that holds it shut. It will not open unless you, on purpose, open it. Um, and I bought, for the pitch, a garbage can that you could see through on purpose so that the sharks could see that it doesn't open. So just before I landed the plane with my entire pitch, um, I threw the, uh, you know, the garbage in the trash and Kevin sits up and he says, wait, wait, wait a minute. Why doesn't it open? I can see that stayed shut. How did that happen? I'm like, oh man, he completely interrupted my pitch. <laughs> so I answered the question, of course. And then I said to the producers, I said, do you want me to go back and redo that? So 
they said, sure. And I have a travel show that's on uh, Amazon. So I'm familiar with needing to pause so they can edit whatever. So I sat there for five seconds and then I started in as though I had just finished. And then I stopped and everyone was quiet. So I looked, I'm like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's awesome. So your, your TV background, the fact that you had done some TV production over the years helped you kind of nail it in terms of the pitch. And you mentioned Kevin because Kevin was the shark that ended up investing, right? Correct. Yeah. And he did one of his famous uh, royalty (laughs) deals. Yeah. 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 For for those people who are listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, and who have never heard of these royalty deals, how does that work? Um, So the deal that he proposed was uh, $1 for every box I sold in perpetuity. Uh, so at the time that I was forever and ever, yeah. Uh, so at the time I was on Shark Tank, I only had one SKU, one size, one retail box. Uh, at the moment, we have seven SKUs. So within six months, we added seven more SKUs to the mix, which includes a larger size sheet for larger dogs. Um, but uh, the royalty deal, uh, it ended up, we didn't do it in real life, but on TV, he did offer the deal. Um would work out where for every box sold, I would uh, owe Kevin a dollar in exchange for his 250 proposed 250 grand investment. Um, so uh, what was I going to say? But before that was frankly, um, because it was so early on in the uh, process or the life cycle or life stage of this business, I really didn't want a big investor from the standpoint of giving up a big chunk of, you know, uh, equity. So I did want a royalty deal. I did want to do a deal with Kevin. So it was exactly what I was hoping for. And I also knowing the show and knowing Kevin, um, I figured I probably wouldn't get it under a dollar. So before I ever arrived, um, I figured out a way to save a buck on, um, (laughs) per box, uh, with my suppliers. And I was able to kind of bake that into the cost of my overhead anyway. So it would have been a great deal. <laughs> okay. So you had sort of calculated the math and you knew you had a good deal. So what ended up happening? Uh, so after um, we wrapped up, I, of course, well, after you film, then you get interviewed a couple more times and then you meet his team uh, if there was a deal to be done. And then I said, look, I got to leave. I've been 11 days in one room. I'm out of here. <laughs> I am so out of this hotel. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go. So, um, and then a couple of weeks later we kicked off conversations and, um, talked about, you know, the deal parameters, et cetera. And at that time, so that was August when we filmed, it aired, uh, in the second episode of season 12, uh, which was October 23rd, as I recall of 20, so when it aired, what kind of reception did you get? Fantastic reception. Yeah. So it was excellent to be put right up at the beginning of the, um, of the season because, uh, that was October, I think again in January, it aired again in, um, primetime on ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it maybe aired a few more times. Definitely it's gone, um, into the syndication and it, I, I think it's CNBC or whatever the outlet is that uh, has their reruns. Um, and I notice because I'll wake up and get an uptick of, <laughs> of orders like, Oh, it must've been on Shark Tank last night. So it's really, um, it's really been great. The exposure has been terrific. 
So that's kind of a big piece of the whole Shark Tank recipe is that you're getting national or international exposure to your product. Do you end up giving some uh, something back to ABC and the people who make Shark Tank or no? No. As I understand it, for the first four seasons, something to that effect was a part of the program. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know the full parameters. You could Anyone can Google it. Right. Um, but I think Mark Cuban maybe you know, spearheaded the initiative to have that not take place. That's Again, nice. as I okay. understand it, so I read it a while ago. But... International publicity, and, and that's when more and more consumers and uh, dog lovers all over started picking up pooch paper. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we focused on, because we launched literally two weeks before lockdown in the pandemic, not the best time to launch a business, um, but we focused on retail, had to pivot a bit. Um, but by the time... Uh, one year had passed. We grew our retail distribution in the U.S. to encompass about 2,500 stores nationwide. And now we're selling in those outlets anywhere from big box down to, you know, mom and pop retail and everything in between uh, and four other countries outside of the U.S. And that would be Canada, Dubai, South Africa, Japan. So what is next for you, Tracy? Uh, to capture as many municipalities and multi-tenant residential uh, buildings, property management companies as possible. And you're running all of this from from your home in Annapolis. Yes. And yep. and 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 what is that like to 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 basically be putting a whole an international business together uh, from from your home? Um, it's. Good. It's challenging because um, I don't have an issue with the time zone differences as and when that happens. I've with Wall Street, I've been working internationally for over 20 years, but um, just at the post COVID uh, environment has been a challenge just because people are seeing people fewer uh, and far between uh, on occasion. And some of the conferences that we wanted to attend in 2020 were, of course, virtual. It's tougher to have a discussion. And my product obviously has some type of educational component to it. And why is this important? How do you use it? And, um, you know, really how easy is it to use? And what an easy way to replace a daily consumable with something that's much better for the planet. But sometimes it takes time. And uh, this year, so 2021 that just passed, we were able to participate in some of the uh, expositions, particularly for government and um, parks and rec. And it makes a world of difference when you have a 10 by 10 booth and you can do a demonstration, have people take samples home, be able to, we always have Play-Doh uh, for live demonstration purposes. I was um, going to say, what what do you use as a, as a yeah. proxy for the poop? <laughs> it's Play-Doh. Play <laughs> yeah. And it's great because the concept of Take. How many microplastics are in the Play-Doh, though, Tracy? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I, <laughs> I reuse it as often as I can until it gets solid. But, um, yeah, it's just easy because every 110% of the time when somebody is in front of you and they use the product, they say, that's it? They said, yeah, that's it. Oh, I thought my hand would get dirty. I thought there wouldn't be enough space on the sheet. I thought, you know, a myriad of things. And I said, look, a typical plastic bag is 13 by 8, and the 13, probably 5 of it or 4 inches of it, are up on your wrist. So really, the surface area you're using to pick up the waste is the palm of your hand. 
our sheets are 12 by 12 or 14 by 14. They're really large uh, compared to the alternative that's out there today. So in, you know, taking and twisting, there's plenty of room to twist and hold it up top the way you would with a bag and, you know, so on. So it, it helps to get, uh, you know, in front of somebody and have that discussion versus over the phone. That's awesome. Well, I, I, I like pooch paper. You know why I like it so much? Why? It's not the microplastics because I didn't know about those. It <laughs> is the fact that I am so tired of the <laughs> blowing into those plastic bags because that yeah. feels so ugh. But I can't, I don't, I, you know, even in the grocery store, I, I don't, I can't separate those bags. And so I've spent such a lot of my life blowing into green, blue poop bags and pooch paper <laughs> eliminates that. It does. It does. It also, this is really gross, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, when you we pick like up gross. with plastic, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty warm, isn't it? So it is. that heat transfer somehow goes away. I wasn't planning that, but it does. It's a lot less hot when you pick up with pooch paper. So when you have traveled, uh, when you have done some traveling, have you encountered uh, pooch paper in the wild? I have not, except uh, the first time I saw it in the wild was in Central Park. And I was walking my dog and I was on the bridal trail around the um, reservoir up on the like upper west side area. And there were a couple of pooch papers that were clearly in someone's pocket and they dropped and it wasn't my pocket. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, I remember I took a picture. I sent it to my mom right away. I'm like, this wasn't me. Look, <laughs> someone else has it. <laughs> Real people are using my pooch yeah. paper. Yeah, that which is, is awesome. really exciting. Yeah. Well, continued success to you, you. Uh, and we will continue to follow uh, what you guys are doing because it's some pretty cool stuff. And and now we have a new thing to worry about microplastics and <laughs> uh, and you're making the world, the environment a better place and making it a little bit easier to care for our dogs. Thank you so much for being with us. Tracy Rosensteel, thank you. No, you're more than welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that about does it for today's episode of The Long Leash. I want to thank you for hitting that play button and joining us. We will be back again with another episode of The Long Leash. If you'd like to check out some of our past episodes, you can do that on our website at longleashshow.com. That's longleashshow.com. We have a whole bunch of other shows at Dog Podcast Network, which you can check out. And the website for that is dogpodcastnetwork.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, just reach out via one of those websites, and we'd love to hear from you. On behalf of all the folks here at Dog Podcast Network, I'm James Jacobson, wishing you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.